Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church Conway. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. Thanks for listening. Uh, a friend of mine came into my office once, and uh, you could tell that she was uh, not really wanting to have the conversation that she was about to have. She, she had messed up, and she needed a little bit of guidance or advice, and that's one of the things I do. And so I, I, I gave her uh, guidance, and everything turned out well, which is good, right? I mean, that's the way that you want—somebody has something going on, give them a little pastoral advice— they apply that, and then everything turns out good. And, and I like that. I like those sort of situations, as we all do. But like I said, you could tell she really wasn't wanting to have that conversation. And there's all sorts of situations in our lives that are, are similar, where we get into these occasions in which we're going to have a conversation, and it's not good nor bad, and we're a little indifferent. We just don't want to have that conversation, right? I mean, it's just part of life, right? There's a number of situations where this comes up. One of them is like uh, the birds and the bees conversation, right? Either side of that equation, you don't want to have that conversation, but it's, it's good and, and it's needed. When you ask your future father-in-law if you can marry his daughter, that's, uh, that's an awkward conversation. And it really shouldn't be, right? When you think about it, it shouldn't be a problem. But it is one of those awkward conversations that ends up being uh, sometimes funny stories. If you ever have to discipline a staff person, uh, that can be uh, a challenge. Or if you are ever disciplined uh, by the boss, that can be uh, a situation. When you tell someone, speaking of work and that sort of stuff, if you've ever had to tell someone that they are not getting the job that they've applied for, that they want to, that I, I, I don't like those conversations at all. I hate those conversations, but they happen on occasion. At one time, uh, when I was a student minister, I had to let—I I pulled these two girls aside, sisters, and I had to let them know that their grandfather had passed away um, at, at summer camp. And that's not a conversation that anybody wants to have, but, you know, it had to happen. Uh, or, you know, there, there's other lighter situations. Like, you, have you ever had to politely let somebody know that there's toilet paper stuck to their shoe, or that their fly is still open, or— that there's something in their nostril, right? That's, these are things, you, you don't want to say these things. They're not bad. They're not good. You just, you just don't want to have these sort of conversations. And um, like I said, some of them are weighty and some of them are a little lighter, but they're just part of life. They're uncomfortable, but they are good. Today's conversation is like that. Today's sermon is one of those. And on the other side, like the conversations that I've already mentioned, on the other side, it's usually good. It can lead to uh, more uh, intimacy or, or closeness, growth. And that's what I pray for you and, and for God our Father. The topic this morning is God's judgment, His wrath, His righteous anger. And in the text, it's done in a parable in which this succulent meal is prepared in a corroded pot, in a broken pot. And to be fair, the Sunday before Christmas is not— a time at which you would expect to hear such a topic explained. It's a little bit unexpected, this idea of God's wrath and his righteous anger, but nonetheless, that's, that's exactly where we find ourselves this morning. So if you have your Bible, turn to Ezekiel chapter 24. Ezekiel chapter 24. 
The, the whole of the text there can be summarized in a parable form. It's a heavenly story or an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. God tells Ezekiel to take the very best meat, the very best cuts of this calf and, and, to, and to chop it up and to put it into a corroded pot and to prepare the meal, this succulent, this nice, this very high-end meal. Prepare that meal and then once it was completed, once the preparation was done, God told him to throw it all away. Take that very good meat, prepare it, and then throw it all away. Twice he repeats the phrase, woe to the city of bloodshed. The whole thing is a picture of God throwing out the corroded, the broken, the the evil, the people who are wicked. Our key verse this morning is verse 13. Ezekiel chapter 24 verse 13 says, Because of the depravity of your uncleanness, Since I tried to purify you, but you would not be purified from your uncleanness, you will not be pure again until I have satisfied my wrath on you. Like I said, today's topic is wrath, God's wrath. And I cannot go too deep into the subject. You can write entire books, entire studies on this very topic. But there are two goals I hope to accomplish this morning. And the first one is the the balance of perspective. To really weigh out or to balance out the perspective. It is unhealthy to only see one side of a conversation or a topic. To only know a person or a personality in one aspect is to not really know that person at all. If I was to ask you to describe God, if I was, give me one word to describe God, I think a lot of people, their answer would probably be somewhere along the lines of good, right? Because God is good all the time, and all the time God is good, right? That he would be good, or that maybe because of the way I set this up, that it would be powerful. God is good. God is powerful. If I asked you to describe Jesus, maybe I think many of you would put the word love. Jesus is love. The Holy Spirit may be comforter or friend, guide. These are the ways that we would describe God. These are the ways that we would describe the Trinity, and all of them are right. All of them are true. They're just not complete. And so one of the goals that I have this morning is to put the other side of the equation, to not only see one side of God and who he is. We tend to focus currently in our churches in America, we tend to focus on God's grace, his love, and his mercy. And those are true. Those are right. And we spend little attention on his wrath or on his judgment. And to be honest, this is not the way it always was. There was a time in our country's past and in our history and in our denomination, particularly those of Baptist and Methodist, in which God's love and mercy were not the highlight of most preaching. Instead, it was God's eternal damnation. There's a whole style of preaching that we, that we would call those preachers as hell, fire, and brimstone. Shake your head if you know what I'm talking about, those hell, fire, and brimstone type of preachers. If you've been around here for very long, you realize I'm not one of those, right? But they're not wrong. It is an aspect of God. It's just that to focus too much uh, on one emphasis or the other to the exclusion of the other is deadly and it is incomplete. So this morning, one of the goals that I have is to just sort of balance out the perspective. The second goal that I have this morning is to communicate to you that the Bible, the whole of the Bible is one story. Specifically that Christmas is a story about God's grace, right? When we think about Jesus being born of a virgin and coming to the earth, then we are emphasizing the reality that God is gracious. But it is not without elements of judgment. And that in reality, it is his wrath 
the wrath of God that is the reason for the birth of Jesus. In other words, grace and mercy are only grace and mercy if judgment is a threat. So here are a few high level, about four actually, thoughts or ideas or aspects to God's wrath. That's what we're going to look at today. God's God is, if you were taking notes, this would be the first part of his wrath. God's, God is righteous in his wrath. He is justified in his anger. God is justified in his wrath. He is the creator God. And as the creator God, he has the right to set a standard. And if that is not met, those who do not meet that standard have earned the consequences of that shortcoming. That's true. That's just the way it is. He is also the almighty king. And as king, he is well within his rights to destroy any enemy force that rebels against his crown. God is the creator God, and he is the almighty king. But not only is he the creator and the almighty, but he is also benevolent. He is also a benevolent ruler. The Bible says that God causes it to rain on the just and the unjust. That God continually shows grace to those who don't deserve it. And it, we call that common grace. And it is in the face of common grace that we most often see humanity take God for granted. We have rebelled against his standard. We have, we have rebelled against his crown and we have taken him for granted. And for these reasons and more, he is right in just wiping us out. And just annihilating the human race. I mean... There are times where I look around and I wonder to myself, and I wonder if you would wonder to yourself, if humanity is even worth it, you know? Is this even worth fighting for, or doing good in, or trying to bring a light to? It's not really the sort of thing that you wrote in your Christmas cards as you um, sent out to your friends and family. Just a uh, season's greeting, and I wonder if you're worth it. You know, that sort of thing. But, but you do look sometimes at the news and at media, and you think to yourself, there are glimmers of good. There are sometimes ideas of hope. But generally speaking, it's dark and it is evil. God's wrath is justified. He is righteous in his anger. I read once about a man, a dad, who walked in to another man assaulting his daughter in the most vicious and horrible way that you could imagine. And so that dad killed the assailant. Killed him. He was later taken on trial. He was taken on trial, and he was found not guilty. Uh, it was in Texas, and that jury there decided that that dad was justified. I'll be honest with you. I have never met anybody that would decide otherwise, that that dad was not justified. God is just. He is right in his actions and in what he has done. God is justified in his wrath, and God's wrath is for the evil. Satan and his demons rebelled against King God, and God has created for them a place, and he has a plan for which they will be eternally outside the presence, the protection, and the sustenance of God. God's wrath is for the evil. And for those people you know that participate in evil acts, God will judge them. God will judge them. The murderers, the warlords, the gossips, those who intentionally divide relationships for their own good, God will judge them. They are guilty and in danger of God's wrath. You may think or you may occasionally feel like people get away with things, right? They treat you poorly or they say things about you that are not true. You feel like they'll do things and then uh, they'll tear you down and rip you apart and then they'll just ride off into the sunset as if nothing ever happens. And it feels like 
right? That they get away with things. But know this. This is a truth from Scripture. No one gets away with anything. God is the righteous judge. And there is no one who gets away with it. He hears all, he sees all, he knows all, and all will give an account for what they have done. God is righteous as the judge, and God's wrath is for those who are evil. And that's sort of alleviating in some regard, right? The part of you that feels that you have been mistreated or that you are a victim of, of injustice, know that God is ultimately the one that will call all people to an account. But before we rest too uh, safely in that spot, before we get too comfortable in that space, know this, that another aspect biblically of God's righteous judgment is that we all are evil. We are all in opposition to God. Humans are conceived far from God. When Adam, as our representative, rebelled against God's design and plan, he broke all of creation. He broke the relationship between man and man, human, human and human, and human and God. Our representative broke that. And that may not sound fair to you. You may think, well, I wasn't there. Who is he to be our representative? But we all know flat well that given our own choices, we all make the exact same rebellion. We all choose evil. We all go our own way. Humanists will say that there is a good in all people, but that's just not true. Call it broken, call it sick, call it incapable, whatever you want to call it. Humanity is broken. Humanity is evil. It is so tempting for us to put things on a scale, though. We try to put things on a scale over there. We would have um, things, um, these are truly bad people. They're the worst. They're murderers. They are uh, racists, sexual abusers, and those who would cover up such crimes. All of them over there are those who, who stand in righteous judgment of God. We know that those people on that side of the scale, that God should wipe them out and that we would agree with it, right? And then in the middle, we have, uh, we have like, you know, just people who try to do good, but they often don't. They, they have good intentions, but occasionally they get selfish, and we call those folks ornery, right? And ornery is one of my favorite southern words. It just means that, well, they're kind of good, but they're really not, you know? They're just ornery or mischievous. And then over there, those are the kind of people that we would say they don't have a mean bone in their body. That very rarely do they ever think a cross thought, and they never act on it, right? And we all know folks like that. We all know folks like that. We all know folks like that. That there's this scale and they're in judgment. And then we put ourselves usually somewhere in between these two over here. And they don't really deserve God's judgment. Just an extra dose of God's grace. The problem is that there is no such scale in Scripture. That we are all guilty. We are all rebels to God. And just about every chance we can, we choose our own selfishness over the good of others and the glory of God. Jonathan Edwards says that the bow, or he said, he's long dead, but the bow of God's wrath is bent and the arrow made ready on the string and justice bends the arrow at your heart and strains the bow and it is nothing but the mere pleasure of God and that of an angry God without any promise or obligation at all that keeps the arrow one moment from being made drunk with your blood. We are all evil and God's wrath is for the evil and God is just in his anger. He is right to be angry. Knowing that we are all rebels of God and in danger of his wrath and anger, it might be hard for us to equally think on this reality. 
that God's wrath, his judgment, his anger is final and it is complete. There is no higher authority you can appeal to. You cannot take God to the Supreme Court. You cannot get a presidential pardon. Your kind grandpa or your loving mother cannot stand between you and God's might. When it happens, when you slip from this life to the next, it is over. Time has run out. There are no second chances. There is no purgatory, no escape hatch, no mulligan, no do-over. It is complete, it is final, and it is eternal. The Bible describes God's wrath in a bunch of different ways. It says it's, it's, it's an eternal fire, hell, death, where the worm does not die, pain, grief, and darkness, and whatever it is. It is terrible, it is horrible, and it is unbearable. Forever separated from God and everyone else that you love. This is the truth. This is the reality. God's wrath is justified for the evil and is final, and we are evil. And this is clearly bad news, right? This is not good news. And it's a very dark night and a wet blanket that I just threw on whatever Christmas joy you walked in here on. You may have been humming frosty, or jingle bells, but you just sit there and think about God's anger. When I was a kid, when I was a little kid, I was probably uh, maybe like five or six. I went snooping around and I found my presents. I found my Christmas presents, right? And my mama told me that if you find your gifts, if you go snooping around, if you open your presents, put them back together. I know none of you have ever done that. But if you do that, Mama said she is taking back all of my Christmas gifts. And so, like I said, when I was young like that, five, six, maybe a little older, I found my gifts. Mama found out, and Mama took back every single one of my Christmas gifts. Every one of them. I don't even know if Mom remembers that. She's probably watching online right now. I don't even know if she remembers that, but I do, all right? It was tragic. It was, it was devastating, right? And I woke up on Christmas morning to an entirely new set of Christmas gifts. Because I was wrong. I did wrong. I broke the standard. I went against what mama said. And I was punished. I reaped those consequences. But grace and mercy, right? But grace and mercy. This is where Christmas comes in. The tree and the lights and the presents and the songs, the tidings of good news and great joy. This is where the baby it comes in. That God's wrath is true. We do stand in righteous danger of God's anger. And yet in that dark, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son. Galatians 4 says, when the time came to completion, God sent his son, born to redeem. And that Jesus was not born just to say hi or just to see what was happening down here on this crowded planet Earth. He was sent with a plan and a purpose. He was sent to take away the wrath of God and take that wrath on himself to take, to bear, to shoulder our penalty. Isaiah 53 verse 4 through 6 says, Yet he himself bore our sickness and he carried our pain. But we in turn regarded him as stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We all turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. So yes, it is good. We should rejoice 
in Emmanuel, that he has come to us. We should do so humbly knowing that the baby was born to bear our burden of God's wrath. And that is exactly what God, what Jesus did. N.T. Wright, the theologian, writes this. God's wrath, properly, is an aspect of his love. It is because God's love, it's because God loves human beings with a steady, unquenchable passion that he hated apartheid, that he hates torture and cluster bombs, that he loathes slavery, that his wrath is relentless against the rich who oppress the poor. If God was not wrathful against these and so many other distortions of the human vocation, he is not loving. And it is his love determining to deal with the nasty, insidious, vicious, soul-destroying evil that causes him to send his only special son. How crazy would it be for us to acknowledge, to accept, to believe that we are wrong, that we have rebelled against the king, that we have not met the standard of the creator, that we have taken for granted a benevolent ruler, and to know that we stand in righteous judgment And then to hear that God, through Jesus, took that penalty on himself. That he came and lived a perfect and a sinless life. And that on the cross he paid that price. And that the fullness of God's anger was poured out on Jesus. So that you would not have to. Because you could not if you had to. That he bore that penalty for you. How foolish would it be for us to accept that, to know that, to sing about that, to believe that. And not to trust in Jesus. To not to reach out our sinful hand and accept the gift that Jesus has given us. Listen today, this morning, this Sunday before Christmas, you can accept that free gift. You can acknowledge and accept Jesus as your Savior. And to be spared and to be saved from God's righteous anger. And if you do not, you remain in danger of God's wrath. Full and overwhelming. And when time expires, which it could... Your time could expire today. And if you do not accept, it is over. It is final and it is eternal. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.